It's time for Lawyers for Jesus, a show about the dynamic and exciting interaction of faith and the law. Featuring the attorneys from the law firm Malkin Baker in downtown Chicago. Malkin Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and for serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Hello, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm John Mauk, a partner and attorney at the firm of Mauk and Baker in Chicago. We're Christian attorneys who focus on serving the body of Messiah with its legal needs. To learn more about us, go to maukbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Or call at 312-726-1243. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had financial worries? Do you have financial worries? Do you have credit card problems? Do you have debts? Uh, or might you have them in the future? Well, today we're going to be speaking with Neville Reed, a capital partner and co-chairman of Bankruptcy Restructuring and Creditors' Rights at the law firm of Fox, Swipe 11, and Carroll. Neville's also a member and volunteer of Kairos, Prison Ministries and Vice Chair of its Advisory Council. Recently, he played an integral role in a bankruptcy case for Johnson Publishing Company and the auction of artifacts relating to African American history. Uh, Brother Neville, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus. Thanks, John. Glad to be here. Oh, it's great to see your wonderful, <laughs> your wonderful smile. I, I see Jesus whenever I talk to you. But before we start talking about dealing with financial needs. Uh, tell me, and let me introduce you a, a little more, and tell me about your 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 faith history, because I know you're an educated, successful lawyer, Harvard graduate. More importantly, you're a family man, happily married, wonderful children. More importantly than that, <laughs> you love Jesus. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Hallelujah. You bet, you bet. So, so how does somebody with your kind of brains and 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 pedigree uh, come to be? A Jesus follower. What happened in your life? Absolutely. Thank you, John. Uh, uh, I love the Lord, and I I had a uh, a experience when I was a teenager where I was born again, and uh, I had always remembered my both my parents were uh, believers, and uh, my dad has passed; he's gone on to glory. My mother's still alive at ninety two, and is still living the faith, even though she's in an assisted living uh, community, but just exudes the love of Christ uh, to whoever she sees. And so I always knew uh, about the Lord in our in our home and always went to uh, a church, but I can't really say that I really own my faith. I more rented it, uh, if, if you know the distinction. And I had experience around age 14 where for about a year-long period, I didn't know when it would end, I was engaged in spiritual warfare. I, I, there, I was being attacked. Uh, what do you mean, spiritual warfare? You mean the devil and demons were getting into your brain? Well, I, yeah, I, I, I was being attacked uh, spiritually and, and, and in my consciousness by uh, forces that were very hostile to the Lord. And the only time I found peace, the only time I found peace was when I prayed or when I read scripture. I always knew that that was a sanctuary. And that was a signal to me that this was not some kind of, 
you know, psychological problem. I was, you know, I'm very sane. I did very well in school and so forth. But these were, these were clearly supernatural things. Very hostile thoughts to God. I couldn't even. And at age 14, you're, you're grappling with this. What's, yes. What's reality? Hey, precisely. Yeah. Teenage years, as you know, are turbulent enough. Uh, but right. <laughs> <laughs> or true. more fundamentally, this, this most important crisis of your life. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Why am I here? Yes. Yes. And, and, who is God? Who is Jesus? Exactly. And why am I getting these headaches unless I'm praying? Yeah, exactly right. They, you know, you, you you nailed it exactly, John. A very, very tough uh, time. And every day felt like an eternity. But uh, again, through prayer and scripture reading, I, I felt peace. And over that period of time, eventually my prayers turned less from, Lord, please uh, deliver me from this. Uh, please make them go away. The prayers move from that to, Lord, I surrender to you. Uh, and it was as the prayers gravitate towards surrender and giving my life completely to the Lord that they dissipated. And as I look back on that period, I now see why God did that, because I understood as a result of that experience, the reality of a few things. First of all, the reality of the power of God, uh, the saving uh, grace of Christ, and the reality of the devil uh, you know, there's a lot of commentary in the culture today about how the devil is just some sort of myth. And but I tell you, his most right. powerful uh, weapon is when we think he doesn't exist. Uh, yeah, ab <laughs> absolutely. Uh, right. Christians are getting blindsided all the time yes. because they don't have a, a balanced view. Yes. That Satan is out there. He's the enemy of our souls. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. Yes. He's got demons around. I was thinking about that today, even before we. We started the interview, you know, Jesus encounters a demoniac with uh, uh, a legion of demons. Yes. But Jesus himself was tormented by Satan. Well, there you go. Exactly. And Paul himself right. said there, there, there is a messenger of Satan sent to torment me. So yeah. whether we're crazy or yeah. whether we're godly, right. we have to deal with the fact that there is a spiritual reality out there called the enemy. So you're fighting the enemy, and as a child and being raised in a Christian home, you're struggling, and you're you're making this decision, and then you decide, this is it. You yeah. said 17, you were born again. Yeah, actually, I was about, 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 about yeah, by, by that time I was 15, that's right. Yeah. Oh, okay, 15, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's fine, no problem. You're listening to Lawyers for yeah. Jesus. I'm John Mauck, partner of the law firm of Mauck and Baker. If you missed part of this episode or want to hear other Lawyers for Jesus interviews, visit MaukBaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. You can also subscribe to our Religious Liberty newsletter and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Today, we're speaking with Neville Reed, attorney at Fox, Swibel, Levin, and Carroll, about... <coughs> His bankruptcy practice and our financial needs, and we just heard a wonderful uh, background, Neville, of how you came to know Jesus, but you're not even in college yet. Right. So <laughs> so uh, tell us about college and then law school and, and your practice and how that focuses on your faith. Yes, that's a wonderful question, John. Uh, my, uh, when you spend your life to Christ, one of the most beautiful things that happens not only is the peace that Paul describes that passes all understanding, but you really 
feel this hunger to involve God in your life and your decisions and to see God show up in the details is just so incredibly heartwarming. Uh, and you get this confidence as well. Uh, so one of, the, one of my more formative experiences when I attended uh, Harvard uh, College is I was the, uh, the son of uh, Jamaican immigrants. Uh, none of us had gone actually out of state uh, to college. Everyone had uh, gone in state in, in Wisconsin. And I'd done very well in school and I love learning. And uh, when I arrived at Harvard, there was a um, a one week period that where the freshmen come before everybody else comes, and you're supposed to then use that time to learn. It's called orientation. Orientation. Yeah, that's right. You're supposed to get uh, oriented. If you can use that word, you can use it at Harvard and probably nowhere else. I don't think it's a real word, but anyway. Uh, and so I read in the uh, booklet for freshmen something I didn't understand. So I went to the freshman dean's office. And while I was there, I asked the question uh, of a woman there, uh, uh, you know, what does this mean? Because I want to understand it. And she explained it. But after that, she added an editorial comment that I never forgot, which was uh, there must be something genetic about that, which was I took to mean, as you may recall, Harvard had a history in the early 20th century of uh, what are called uh, uh, eugenics, where they some professors preached or taught this false science of the racial inferior genetic inferiority of certain races. So here I was, an 18 year old kid, being told by someone of in authority that some I must have had some something genetic about me that caused me to not understand what was what was being oh, wow. said to me. Yeah, and so that was a very. When I look back on that through my faith, I remember thinking that I had to remember to see myself as God sees me. And not as someone else would see me. And that. Amen. You're no longer black. You're a child of God. Child, exactly right. I mean, exactly. black, yeah. is it white? This is just identities right. relative to other people. Exactly but our right. Relationship to God. Wow. Right. You know, focus on that and exactly. everything else. It, it all fell right. into place. And yeah. I went on with that kind of confidence, remembering who I was in Christ. Uh, a couple of things happened. One is uh, I, I worked. Uh, continue to work hard as I would do anyway because I love learning and I graduated magna cum laude from the college. Uh, and but secondly, that that experience has become a testimony for me to people who have others who have lost confidence. I've used it in my prison ministry, for example, uh, where prisoners in in prison who are seeking a closer walk with Christ, even though they've made a mistake, but they want to be reconciled to God. They need to stop seeing themselves as a number and as a prisoner. And and start to understand, I I too can be reconciled to God. I am I too can experience God's forgiveness. I too can experience God's confidence and light. And it is something that really helps inspire them to uh, levels of testimony within the prison walls. <clears throat> and and so you tell them you're created. Yes. In God's image. Image exactly wow. right. Right. That's a confidence right lifter. And <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I get confidence when I think that the Creator of all the cosmos yes. came and died on a cross for me. Precisely, precisely. Wow. Yeah, it's powerful. You know, we're special. Yes, exactly. And every person is special in God's God's sight. And yes. well, what a what wonderful testimony. Yeah. Well, we're in college. Quickly, how did you get to law school? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, the magna cum laude helped. <laughs> and uh, in college, you know, uh, the, the interesting thing, John, as you know, is as um, as a, as a also graduate from uh, a, a leading school, uh, Yale. Yeah, oh, come on. <laughs> 
<laughs> I can't, can yeah, I say it? That's, true. <laughs> That's right. But, uh, you know, there is, it, it, those schools were originally uh, founded uh, for, for, for ministers and, and, and light. Uh, but uh, there were some periods where I had to uh, deal with very strong secularists. Uh, thoughts and um, and I had to overcome those and my faith helped me do that as well. Amen. Well, coming up, we'll talk further with Neville Reed, attorney at Fox, Swipe 11 and Carroll about the historic case he was part of and how you as believers can deal with some of your financial problems, what the Bible says, what faith in God can do. I'm John Malk and this is Lawyers for Jesus. Sometimes, Jesus used the law to make a difference, and so must we. In his book, Jesus in the Courtroom, author and attorney, John Mauck, shows us how to engage our modern legal system for the good of the kingdom. Jesus in the Courtroom discusses the need for faith-filled lawyers in order to protect the church and what good can happen when we partner with Christian legal professionals. To order your copy of Jesus in the Courtroom, find it at Moody Publishers or go to JesusInTheCourtroom.com. Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm John Mauck, an attorney at Mauck Baker, a law firm based in Chicago, which serves churches, ministries, businesses, and individuals with their legal needs. If you missed the first part of this show and want to listen online, go to MaukBaker.com and you can find us there. Go to WYLL uh, radio station and they also have podcasts. Today we're speaking with Neville Reed, attorney at Fox, uh, Swibel 11 and Carroll, and and Neville, before we get into talking about some of the things that are on people's hearts, their financial problems, uh, you recently had a wonderful uh, career-marking experience in bankruptcy court. Tell us about that. Yeah, sure. Uh, the client uh, for me was uh, the trustee, the court-appointed trustee, bankruptcy trustee for the company Johnson Publishing. Uh, corporation and uh, Johnson Publishing, if you may recall, is really one of the most uh, successful uh, uh, black-owned uh, companies in the country's history. It was started after it started around the time of World War II by John Johnson, and they ended up publishing uh, Ebony Magazine, Jet Magazine, and they had uh, accumulated over the past seventy years an, an archive of four million photos and media items of really iconic uh, uh, events in American history, the pictures of uh, Martin Luther King's funeral, uh, of Coretta Scott King with her, her, her one of her children crying on, uh, resting their head on her lap. And All right. Well, let me, let me interrupt you. Sure. So you, you've got a couple major truckloads <laughs> of documents and pictures and stuff. So mm -hmm. So what do you do? Do you back up the truck and dump this stuff, or is there some value to it? Yeah, well, that's what we were trying to determine. Uh, the job of a trustee in a bankruptcy case, uh, Johnson ended up filing uh, uh, bankruptcy under Chapter 7. And under Chapter 7, that's a straight liquidation. And the sad thing is, is when they filed— Straight liquidation means the company's out of business. Out of business, exactly, right. And your job is to sell—the trustee's job is to sell the assets. Sadly, they had almost no cash in the bank. And so you have to run a sale process with uh, hardly any uh, resources. So they had a secured lender who actually was um, uh, owned by— George Lucas, the uh, Star Wars magnate, and then his wife, Melody Hobson, they owned a company that had previously lent 
money uh, to uh, the company. And we negotiated with them funding to run a sale process for about a two-month period of time. Oh, okay, so you're going to sell all these artifacts. Exactly, right. And they had a lien on the on the, on the the artifacts, okay. so, and, they, and they were owed roughly about $13 million. And to make a long story short, uh, the auction was over a three-day period of time. And it was really important to us that we try to get these assets in the hands of somebody who could do the most good because he wanted these pictures to be preserved for posterity. Yes. Yes. Wow. I mean, 50 years from now, people will be missing a whole part of vital American history, African-American history, and, right. and who we are exactly. as Americans. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we had a number of bidders, mostly private investors. Uh, and it was over a three-day period, and uh, one of the one of the bidders was, of course, George Lucas as well. And uh, they bid their debt, and um, between the second and, and and the third day, well, let me back up through the whole process. My wife and I, who's my wife is my pastor uh, my, and my bride, my beloved uh, Reverend. And pastoring Henry. at what church? Put uh, your plug in. There, there you go. Yeah, shameless plug. <laughs> South Shore United Methodist Church. At, where is that? Uh, it's at, at seventy three fifty South Jeffrey. All right, That's praise right. God. <laughs> praise the Lord. Yeah, exactly. Go ahead. Yeah, so so right. she, she's working in this case that, too. Oh yeah, so we're, we're we're praying together, including on our Friday morning call and, and our prayer was that uh, the um, uh, assets here would end up in the hands where they could do the most good where, where, where God wanted them to land and um, between the second and the third day a a um, bid emerged by four very powerful private foundations the MacArthur Mellon uh, Ford and Getty and they put together a, a bid, which by the by the third day, and we know third day is always a nice, a nice okay. uh, biblical parallel. Up from there. the grave he arose. <laughs> that's true. With a mighty triumph. Uh, that's for right. His foes. Uh, they had uh, put together a bid uh, that ended up being thirty million dollars, which was wow. just, just a wonderful result. And they're going to digitize it. This this archive needs to be digitized. It'll be available throughout the world. Uh, it'll part of it will end up in in the Smithsonian, and part of it being the Getty. And so these memories of American history are going to be preserved for all future posterity. And I tell you, John, spiritually, what was so wonderful about the result was not just that this was an answer to prayer, but I found out through an article in the New York Times that uh, in the background, while between the second and third day when we didn't know that this, this bid was coming together, people at these foundations were saying to themselves, we have to save this archive. That language directly paralleled the prayers that my wife and I and others at the church had, that someone would come forward to help put the archive where God wanted it. So so in other and, words, what you think happened is as you prayed, God took your words and put them in the hearts of those people who were able to make these yes. uh, $30 million yes. dollar bid. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. And and that's sometimes how God operates. Exactly. And, you know, I, I'm reminded, John, and you're, you're a modest guy, I know, but uh, it reminds me of some things that have come out of our Bible study where uh, you and Jan used to uh, teach us in different parts of Scripture that God often works in the background, that he works in ways that we can't always see, and we have to have faith. Uh, that those results will will come forward. And that was certainly something that was evident in that experience. <clears throat> uh, you're listening to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm John Mauk of Mauk and Baker, and we're talking to Neville Reed, attorney at Fox, Swibel, Levin, and Carroll, about some of his bankruptcy experiences. And Neville, we've been promising our listeners some personal advice because... Okay, they're thinking, well, God could operate with uh, 
Johnson Publishing and these big things, but can he work in my life? Is it okay for people to file bankruptcy? Let's start with that. Or is it sinful? Well, well I think it is. Uh, I, I view bankruptcy as a, a last resort. What my advice, whether it's a business owner or if you're an individual, I usually don't do a lot of individual cases, although I am a, um, a bankruptcy trustee. So I will get appointed to individual cases as the person to examine your, your affairs. And the best approach, I think, to bankruptcy, the best view of bankruptcy spiritually is try to exhaust all the non-bankruptcy options first. That's clearly better for you, whether you're a business owner or an individual. And that might include mod getting a, a negotiated modification of your debt. Uh, it, may, it may include getting your lenders into some sort of forbearance agreement, particularly for businesses. I get a lot of people come into my office and they say, I got to file bankruptcy. And by the time I'm done with the conversation, it's not that they got to file bankruptcy, it's that they have to get a restructuring of their financial affairs, which may not require bankruptcy. You could, yes. you could do. Amen. There's, yeah. some, there's some good alternative solutions. Exactly. Sometimes they're better for the people and their creditors. Precisely. Uh, Precisely. To keep working together. Well, exactly. let's back up for a second mm -hmm. to debt because you mentioned debt. Right. Is it okay for Christians to borrow? When should they borrow? What does the Bible say? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I think uh, uh, debt, it's as well, is something which should be viewed uh, as a as, as an obligation to uh, repay, uh, and and not as something which you're entitled to have and then just just wipe out. Although sometimes, well, people, we need to keep our word and yeah. as a model of God. Yes, but, exactly right. But yeah. Do we borrow to begin with? Because the Bible says. Oh, no, man, anything. I've known some Christians who say you can never borrow and other Christians who say, well, just be prudent. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a great point, John. I, I think responsible borrowing, but there again, only as a last resort. I mean, oftentimes we jump to borrowing before we realize, first of all, before we ask ourselves, do we really need to buy this? Often we're charging well, do things. do I need to go to college and sign all these notes? To, you know, there's a lot of people graduating with huge debts, yeah. is it okay to borrow to go to college? Well, well I, there, I think that's okay. But again, you should exhaust the, the other non-debt options first. There's a lot of scholarship money available uh, for, for schools. And that I, I think it's very important for us to, again, exhaust the non-debt options first before you get to that last one. And if you are going to take on debt, be sure that there's a reasonable relationship between the debt, the debt repayment obligation and the projected income that, that, you will, that, that you will have as a result of going to that particular uh, experience, whether it's school or, or some other. Matter. Okay. Now, if you're in over your head... And that happens because we're fallen creatures. Yes, yes. And certainly the Bible contemplated that people would be in over their head because you had what's called the year of Jubilee. Right. Would you explain what that is? Yeah, that's uh, after after uh, seven years under the Old Testament, there was a uh, a. a Ceremony, if you will, a requirement that uh, that the debts would would be forgiven. Similarly, in the bankruptcy code, uh, you're eligible to file uh, Chapter Seven bankruptcy uh, once every eight years, missed by a year. Oh, okay, <laughs> and that wipes out all of your debt, uh, and then you get what's called a fresh start if you're an individual. Corporations, though, you either do Chapter Eleven where you restructure, or Seven, you do a straight liquidation. Well, wow. There's the great year, jubilee of all time, uh, which we're going to end with, and that is Jesus' death on the cross yes. paid our debts, yes. paid our sin once and forever, yes. for all time. If you haven't accepted that, 
Don't even think about bankruptcy. Think about Jesus. Right, right. Neville, thank you for speaking with us today. How can people learn more about your work and cases? Sure. Uh, our website is www.foxswibel.com, F-O-X-S-W-I-B as in boy, E-L.com. And uh, our uh, my, my direct line is 312-224-1245. And my email is nreed at foxswibel.com. And you spell read, R-E-I-D. R-E-I-D, right. That's Neville, N-E-V-I-L-L-E, R-E-I-D. And if he can't help you, he'll send you to a Christian brother or a sister who will help you out. Thank you for speaking with us today. And if you have other legal needs or want perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact us at Malkin Baker. You can reach us at 312-726-726. One two four three, or at mockbaker.com that's m-a-u-c-k-b-a-k-e-r.com or visit our website to subscribe to our religious liberty newsletter with legal updates thanks for listening i'm john malk attorney at malk and baker and this is lawyers for jesus don't have to serve somebody Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody.